listening to Foundry Church's weekly podcast, where our singular focus is to help people know, follow, and share Jesus. Our hope is that today's message would help you to encounter the living Christ in a new and transformative way. Good morning. First, I'm going to tell you. I'm, I'm going to tell you today is all about how good God is and how I've seen that in my life and how we are witnesses to it. And one of the ways that I saw it was Friday night at the concert. A lot of you were there. It was such an awesome time. We had Leland in and and um, just a wonderful time of worship and prayer and just heard so many testimonies of what God was doing in people's lives through healings and through uh, one, at least one person that I know of that gave their young person that gave their life to Christ for the first time. Um, God is on, on the move. God is at work. And it was just a great time to remember that. God's always working. So many times we're just um, too busy or, or we're not maybe tuned in to, to see how he's at work. But Friday, was, Friday night was one of those times of just kind of recognizing God's goodness and just being in his presence and inviting him to encounter us so that we might go into the future, into this next year and share his goodness with our world. And at the beginning of each year, we do have um, this, this event that I wanna just mention as I kick off today. Um, uh, it's, it's a time to gather, to celebrate, to look forward, to look back and recognize, celebrate what God's done, to pray over some leaders. And, and it's kind of a, 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 it's a one, it's a big moment in the life of the church every year. We call it State of the Church. It's gonna be February 4th from four to six. This year, it's right here at Fry Road. And so I hope that you'll come and be a part of that. If you want to hear kind of where we sense God leading us in his spirit. And um, last year when we had this event, actually, J.D. Walt, a good friend of ours, um, and really J.D.'s been a mentor to all of, of us um, who attended Asbury. Uh, many of our pastors um, attended Asbury Seminary, and J.D. was the dean of the chapel at the time. And uh, he's poured into us in so many ways and just as a wise leader in the church. And um, I'm, I'm happy to say he's one of our overseers is an important role of outside leadership. And so uh, JD uh, started a, a ministry called Seedbed. It's more than a publishing company, but they publish lots of, of Christian resources. And, um, and, and this organization is really just birthed out of a desire to see God awaken the church, um, for us to awaken, our, to be awakened and to sow for a great awakening in our day, that we believe that the church in many ways, uh, we've, we've been in the slumber and we need to be awakened to the work of the Spirit. And so um, he shared last year at our State of the Church, if you were there, you, you'll remember this passionate speech and call for us to live in the fire of God. Um, that God is, the, the Holy Spirit is like a fire that burns within us. And when we encounter Jesus, it's like a fire is started in our hearts and it begins to spread and it begins to transform and, and to totally change. You see, we are to be totally 
Uh, it's, it should be normal for every follower of Jesus to be totally made into a fire. That, and then as the church, when we gather together, we're like the fireplace where the spirit works and moves and burns away impurities and brings forth life. And God wants to offer this life to the whole world. And he does it through the church, bringing life, bringing salvation and healing. And, and so he said that night, I, I actually talked to JD this past week and we were remembering some of what he said. Because as we look forward, there's this word that captured my attention as I looked in the book of Acts and looked at this fire that was poured out on the church. Um, and one thing he said last year, he said that when we are turned into fire, we become witnesses. When we're turned into fire, when the fire of God is alive in us, the only thing, it's just, it is what happens. That's just the reality, is that you become a witness. Witnesses, witnesses are people that have had an encounter with God and tell others in their words and their deeds and everything about their life begins to tell of this encounter, of this reality. Witnesses are simply people who have been turned into fire. This is the kind of encounter God wants for us. And so I think sometimes we, we hear the word witness, like maybe you've had somebody witness to you and it really wasn't a, a good news kind of message, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about are people who have encountered God and can provide firsthand evidence of an event. That's literally what a witness is, right? In a courtroom. To witness to something is to see it, to encounter it, and then to proclaim it. These witnesses in the early movement of the church changed the world because they had an encounter with the living God. His fire broke loose in them and they began to tell wherever they were, whatever they were doing. So let's go back. Jesus' resurrection, after the resurrection, Jesus' disciples encounter him on several occasions. And for 40 days, he meets with them. He begins to reveal to them. All these things that they had seen and witnessed all along now become re revealed fully to them. And the Holy Spirit is working in them. And the Holy Spirit is going to do what Jesus said it was going to do. It's going to do even greater things through them. You see, the work of Jesus, and when we look at the Bible and we think about the Old Testament as the covenant, the, the promise, the fulfillment of which is in Jesus is really kind of a second testament. And then the book of Acts reveals like the third work of God, this third testament, you could say, of the ongoing work of Jesus in the world. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to look at the first part of the book of Acts. Today, I want to I look at the the, the, this um, final encounter that Jesus has with the disciples in bodily form the beginning of the book of Acts. It's in Acts 1, 6 through 11. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open there. It says that these disciples who had been with Jesus and he had been with them um, for 40 days after his resurrection, um, they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of heaven? Okay, hold on to this question. This is important. Are you gonna restore the kingdom of heaven? of Israel. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive my power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will what? Be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, in the ends of the earth. 
Now, the way that Jesus presents this is, is powerful and important. Jerusalem was the religious center. Judea was the region. Um, Samaria was the unexpected place that the gospel would really take off and that the Holy Spirit would work in the, in the people that nobody, that the disciples certainly didn't expect in ways that, that they didn't anticipate God's power was gonna be unleashed and salvation was coming to the Samaritans and to the ends of the earth. That not, the, the, the Roman Empire, uh, the power of the day would not suppress the church, but the church would actually invade the darkness of this world, that the cross was not the end of the story, that they could put Jesus on the cross, but his resurrection from the grave meant that the gospel would conquer the whole world, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And so Jesus says, listen, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And I believe that this is still our call as a church. This is not just about what happened back then. This is an invitation to walk out this mission, this calling today. Jesus wants you and me and us together to encounter him in such a way that it captivates our hearts, that it, that it changes everything in us. And the only thing we can do is that, that our lives are set in such a different direction that we proclaim him in everything that we do and everything that we say, that our agenda changes and we become part of his agenda. You will be my witnesses. This is his, his agenda. Um, in 20. 23, we talked about this desire to be a different kind of people, to be fully present in the world, to love God and love our neighbors in a different sort of way that changed everything around us, to awaken our hearts to the work of the Spirit, to not be distracted with lesser things, but to focus on God, to let his fire burn within us. And my question is, what would it look like, friends, for us to really take a next step into that, to become so illuminated, so on fire, so full of power with the love of a transformational God that we lose sight of our own agendas, that we let go of the things that, that grip us, that, that distract us, that prevent us from living the, God, the life that God desires for us to live? What would it look like for us today to encounter Jesus in a way that, the, in a similar way to the disciples did that shifts the agenda? And, and not just the agenda, but shifts who sets the agenda in our life. You see, their agenda wasn't a bad one. God, you know, Jesus, when are you gonna restore the kingdom of Israel? They, they saw what was broken. They saw, they experienced pain and hurt and hardship and they knew the promises of the Old Testament. They were longing and they saw Jesus was the Messiah and yet they're still kind of waiting for him to do what they thought he needed to do to set all things right again. And, and Jesus clarifies it in this moment that, that this is not really his agenda, that his agenda is different than theirs, at least the way that they've, thought about it, that it's going to come about differently. Um, J.D. writes a daily devotional called The Wake Up Call, and a few months ago, he wrote something that really caught my attention. I, I would encourage you to subscribe to it. It's a great way to start your day each day. This is what he wrote about this same encounter. If I'm honest, I mostly want God to fix the broken things in my life. I want Jesus to heal me inside and out. I want him to provide good opportunities for my children. 
I want him to give good health for my parents. I want, more, I want him to provide more margin between the end of the month and the end of the money. And consequently, those are my prayers. I pray for, for that in my life and I pray for that for others who I love. In short, I want him to restore the kingdom to me and to those that I love. This is what the disciples are saying. What could be wrong with that? Well, let me just be clear. There's not wrong prayers. To pray that, for pray, pray for wholeness for your life and for those around you is not a wrong prayer. But as Jesus points out to the disciples, when all we're consumed with is what's wrong in the world and Jesus fixing what's wrong with the world, we, we kind of miss it. You see, we all want Jesus to fix certain things in our life, in our world, but as J.D. says, all these things, our, our health management, our maintenance, our wealth management, or lack thereof, the problems facing our parents, the problems facing our kids, mental illness, crime, poverty, gun violence, all the things, all the things that consume our lives that we spend so much time thinking about and hopefully praying for, right? It's not wrong to pray for those things. But all of these things, in all of these things, I believe that Jesus is saying, I can handle all of that. I can handle all of these things, but I want you to do your one job. Your one job is to be a witness. And so earlier, Jesus had already told the disciples this. Remember, they're clamoring and trying to understand. And, and Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Listen, we have a God who cares about us. We have a God who hears our concerns. We have a God who's familiar with the brokenness that we want and we long to see resolved. But maybe the, the, the spiritual life, the life of walking with Jesus is about a little bit more than what we've made it. Maybe, maybe it's about Jesus saying to you, you have one job, to be a witness in the good and the bad, in the things you understand and think you understand and the things that you don't. Your job is always to be a witness to the goodness of God, that God's faithfulness is, is ever present. And the, the only way to be a witness in this way is to encounter his goodness on a daily basis, to seek him, to seek his kingdom, to let our own agenda go and to say, God, whatever your agenda is, that's now what I submit to. So may your will be done in me as it is in heaven. And so today I wanna simply look at these things because listen, at the end of my life, at the end of my ministry and what God's called me to do as a pastor, what I don't wanna hear from Jesus is you had one job, <laughs> you know? I wanna know that, that though imperfectly, though with flaws, though, though I'm never gonna do it all right in my life or in my job or my calling, I wanna know that my heart was set on one thing, to be a witness to the goodness of God, to, to point to his glory in the good and the bad and to do everything in my power to proclaim this goodness. So I wanna just start today 
with our witness and what it is and what are the, what are the things? You know, through Acts, the disciples say over and over again, we are witnesses of these things in the face of persecution, in the face of even death again and again. They say, we are witnesses of these things and though you might kill us, we can't help but proclaim them because uh, they are true and we've encountered the living God. We are witnesses of these things. What are we witnesses of? What were they witnesses of? It's important that we understand this so that we don't miss it. This is what it is to know Jesus, that God wants us to know him. Jesus reveals who God is. The early disciples encountered him. They heard his teachings. They witnessed his miracles. They still had doubts. They still had fears. They had unmet expectations, but God showed up in the midst of all of those things and showed his goodness. This is what it is to know Jesus, to walk in relationship with him, that God became human, that he didn't just deliver a message from far away, but they saw it firsthand. They saw God firsthand. They were witnesses to some of the most amazing events that would shape the history of the world. What were they witnesses of? They were witnesses of the person of Jesus, first of all. Jesus was born in the humblest of places. He was full of wisdom. He, he taught and, and he convict, convicted people of sin and he brought comfort to those who were hurting and his ministry revealed the kingdom of God and he ushered in a holistic life of healing and wholeness and he displayed God's power over all creation when he calmed the season when he healed the demonic. His identity as the son of God was confirmed in all of these things that he did. We are witnesses. They were witnesses of these things. They were witnesses of the power of God. They were witnesses to the person of God. They were witnesses to the power of God. What power is that? Well, Jesus was arrested. He was put on trial. He had committed no crime. And yet the darkest forces of this world on Good Friday would lead to him being crucified on a cross, nailed to a cross. But on Sunday, although Friday seemed bleak and it seemed that the powers of this world were greater than the powers of God, on Sunday he showed who was really in charge. He showed that God's power is always greater than the death and the destruction and the brokenness and the hurt and the sin of this world. He was raised to life in bodily form and they saw him with their own eyes. He appeared to his followers This encounter that they had with a living God changed the rest of their lives and changed the world. They were willing to die, but they refused to renounce what they had seen because they were witnesses of these things. They witnessed the promise of God as well, this promise of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that that the Holy Spirit from that point forward would be poured out upon people and that we would receive his spirit and that he would give wisdom, he would give encouragement, he would bring comfort, that God's very spirit would be poured out in his followers. And his followers would do even greater things than Jesus had done. Friends, we must remember this. What are we witnesses of? It's not just about what we believe, but but it's about how it transforms our life. The presence of God, the power of God, 
the promise of God, the provision of God in our lives. We are still witnesses. Can I tell you a little bit about how I've witnessed God's goodness in this way? Because you need to recognize that although I shared these messages every week, although God called me to preach, to proclaim, to teach, to lead the church, it's all born out of a personal encounter that I've had with the living Christ that changed my life. This is not out there somewhere, but this is something that is in response to God drawing near to me. And I've seen him work in my life. From the time I was a little kid, like I remember as a little kid, like growing up, I grew up in a small town. I grew up in a small church in a small town full of everyday ordinary people, teachers and doctors, farmers, engineers, store owners, mailmen, like just everyday salt of the earth, good people. They didn't have it all together, but they gathered together and they worshiped. And they raised their kids to know who Jesus was. I learned lots of Bible stories. My, My grandmother was one of those people. If you have a praying grandmother, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, my grandmother prayed for us and prayed for us. And not only did she pray, but she bribed us too. You know, I remember when she gave me the first Bible I ever had, it was this children's Bible. Um, and she didn't just give me the Bible and say, I hope you'll read this. She, give me, she gave me the Bible and she said, if you will read this book, I will give you $100. <laughs> like second grade, like $100 was a ton of money. So truth be told, the first time I ever read the Bible, it was totally about getting money for reading the Bible. But I read it, and those stories were imprinted on my heart. Now, did I immediately like come to Jesus and like follow him with my life? And you know, no, the reality is, no, I didn't. Um, Even though the foundation was there, it took a while for me to really respond, probably mostly because I was very ADD and I never paid attention. And I was like the kid that they had to, they knew that I was good on the inside, they just were waiting for the inside to come out. What they did. And uh, so when I was 15 years old, I went to, to summer camp with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I was, I, I, I love, I mean, sports was my life, and FCA was an important part of my life. And I, I went to a summer camp in the mountains of North Carolina, and we were supposed to be out on the baseball field for instruction that day, but it rained, and so we ended up inside. And the guy that was leading the baseball camp was a guy named Brian Doyle. He was the shortstop for the New York Yankees and um, played in the World Series in the 70s. And he became a Christian later in his life. And he was teaching us, and, and just, I'll never forget, he just stopped in the middle of what we were talking about um, baseball. And he was doing an instruction thing. And, and, and he just stopped and he said, guys, I just gotta stop because I feel like the Holy Spirit is, is saying to y'all that some of you have just been playing church. You've just been going through the motions because it's what your parents did because you're just supposed to do that. And he said, I want you to know that God sent his son to die on the cross that you might have more than a dry religion, that you might have a relationship with him. 
You see, up until that point, I thought Christianity was about trying to do more good than you did bad so that maybe one day God would accept you when you died and you'd go to heaven. And that day, I started to recognize the love of God that profoundly changed my life, that it wasn't about anything that I could do, but it was about what God did for me. And I remember on this mountainside in North Carolina, looking up at a, at a sky full of stars and saying, God, if you are real, if, if you created all of this and you died for me, then I will follow you with my life. And I didn't know what that meant. I had no, all I knew was God had met me in that moment. As a 15 year old, I knew I knew in that moment there was no other life to live than to surrender to Jesus and that he was gonna have the agenda from that point forward. It wasn't about what I could do, but he invited me and taught me along the way that it was what he wanted to do through me. Now, it was a powerful encounter, but there were many more after that that grew my faith. It was just a couple years later that I went to camp again in the summer and met Jacqueline. A lot of really good things happened to me at summer camp, okay, as a teenager. We were in high school. It was my senior year of high school when we started dating. And as I thought about all the, all the things, right, that all the ways that God had, that I've encountered Christ and that he has grown my faith and changed me, it struck me that some of those aren't events. Some of those are relationships and people that span years and years and years and especially my wife. Um, when you're married to somebody that loves Jesus more than you, it changes you. Um, and we got married four and a half years after that summer camp, right? Four, five, five years after that summer camp. And, um, you know, I was 22 when I got married. And all of a sudden, this wonderful person that I lived with every day started to help me. Listen, don't hear this the wrong way. She didn't have to tell me, but started to help me see the flaws. You know this, when, you get, when, you're, when, you know, when you're married, it's like a mirror, right? And you start to see like, well, Jesus was selfless and he poured his life out for me and so I'm, I'm gonna live selflessly. Well, Guess what? That's nice in theory, but when you are in a relationship, it starts to reveal things to you. And so I'm just, I'm just grateful for all the, I think as I thought about that, I was like, I'm just grateful for all the experiences that we've had together and the ways that we have loved each other and God's love has been revealed in our relationship. And that's not because we've had a perfect marriage or either one of us is perfect. It's because God does something in the context of those relationships. Um, he does something in the context of being a parent. Can I get an amen? Like marriage and kids will change a lot of things in your life in terms of your perspective and how you really see yourself. And, um, and also having that first child, like when you see the life that God has given and it just wrecks you. Um, and you realize life is so much more than, you know, and I wish that I could hang on to that. Like, cause my kids are older now and they drive me crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? 
Like, but I was, I mean, my breath was taken away at birth. And like the miracle, right? It was an encounter with God where I recognized life is so much more. Um, Thomas was our, is our oldest, and Thomas was born in September of, 20, of 2002. Um, and we went to Thanksgiving. Um, so he was two, three months old when we went, almost three months old. And we were living in Kentucky at the time. I was in seminary. And we went home um, to my family's house in Florida. And we had the most, my sister had just had the first grandbaby. And then we had the second grandbaby within like months. And so if you've experienced this, like that is the most amazing holiday, right? The first Christmas, Thanksgiving, the first time they're grandkids. And I just remember I was sitting in my, my parents' living room by myself with Thomas. And um, I just remember thinking, God, this is so good. You are so good. How could this be any better? One month later, my mom called and told me that she had cancer. And I realized a lot of my life um, had been really easy up until that point. And so this encounter was a high moment and God is good in that moment. The next 18 months were a very difficult journey, but I can tell you that God revealed himself and I encountered Christ more in the 18 months that my mom battled cancer before her death than any other time in my life. That I knew his presence in the midst of a very dark time um, I questioned a lot of things. I prayed a lot. And I didn't see all my prayers answered in the way that I wanted them answered. But what I did see was God show up and show himself as a good God, as a faithful God, even in the middle of trial. One of the most remarkable things was my mom, like she, I remember, and Jack and I talk about this a lot, like um, she was in the recliner towards the end of her battle with cancer. And one night I just heard her like yell, crying out like, and she was yelling my name. And I went and sat next to her and was like, mom, what's wrong? What's going on? And she's like, I think because I was in seminary and training to be a pastor, she thought I'd have the answer to this. She's like, how do I do it? Like, how do I just go be with Jesus? Like, I'm just ready, right? And there's this, it was the sweetest moment of just total surrender. And my heart still was a wreck, right? But I knew in that moment it was gonna be okay that God was with us, that he hadn't abandoned us, that, that he was closer than he had ever been. Um, there are everyday ministry encounters over the, the span of our life in ministry together with people that we've encountered as well. Um, but I thought remarkably this past week, I just had three instances. I guess God knew that I needed um, before I preached this message, right? Because there are seasons that you go through where honestly, those encounters become a little dim, where you forget, where it's not as fresh. And um, you know, since we've been walking through, a lot of you know we're, we're, we were foster parents and we've been walking through a very trying, difficult adoption process 
And it's, it's been very challenging. And three things this week happened where God just affirmed, I am with you. I will never leave you. And I am always good. And he reminded me that, that in all of it, my one job is to be a witness, to tell the goodness of God and the good and the bad, to tell you the story of my mom so that you'll know if you're facing similar circumstances, God is good and he is with you. Um, I had one person in that there were a lot of, like, there were a lot of things that we're wrestling with about how do we, like, do this and just needs, right? And out of the blue, somebody called me this week and God provided for a lot of the needs that had created a lot of stress. And it was like, immediately after that phone call, I felt lighter. And then somebody asked me to lunch and is somebody that I don't really know that well that I've just met, but, but just has, um, he asked me to lunch and he said, you know, look, I've been, I've seen you lately. And it just like the Lord just pressed it on my heart that something's, I can tell something's heavy and he didn't know any of our story. And so I just spent, we spent an hour just talking. And again, like this conversation, it was a holy moment. The Holy Spirit was present in the conversation that lifted me and gave me courage and gave me assurance. Again, I think because the Lord wanted me to have that before I preached this message. Um, I went and told his wife, actually, I think you married one of the best people on the planet. And she said, well, he wasn't always that way. <laughs> she said, it's the Holy Spirit. Because he, you know, this person didn't grow up a Christian, um, far from it, and had a conversion where he encountered Christ. And listen, the Holy Spirit was all, all over that conversation. He was a witness in that moment. Um, I had another... Um, I had another encounter with God too, where there were a couple guys that came over to my house um, and we were just hanging around the fire pit and just sharing life, like being real. Because so often, guys, I mean, so often we're not real. We're not open. We're not transparent. We don't talk about our failures. We don't talk about our struggles. We don't talk about our dreams. And we just had this time, like it was one of those times, like you, you've had those conversations where you don't, you kind of lose track of time. So like, I think we met at seven and we're just talking and one of us looks, oh my gosh, it's like nine o'clock, you know, 10 o'clock. But, but there was something in that fellowship where God was present again. And I walked back in the house just thinking, God, you are so good. Forgive me for the times that I forget. And so I want you to know God is good. I'm a witness of that. The early disciples were witnesses of that. And we are witnesses. What are we witnesses of? We are in a long line of witnesses who proclaim, who witness the person of Jesus, the living Christ alive in us. That he was human and fully God at the same time. We are witnesses to the fact that Jesus was full of the Spirit, anointed by God to proclaim good news to the poor. To sent, he was sent to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. He set the captives free and he proclaimed the, the year of the Lord's favor. We are witnesses to the fact that he healed the sick. He mended the brokenhearted. He ate with sinners. He delivered the demon possessed. He gave sight to the blind. He made the lame walk. 
He cleansed the leper. He gave the lifeless life and he restored the marginalized and the destitute. He challenged all of the systems, the broken systems of his day. And he declared God to be the supreme ruler. We are witnesses that he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. By his wounds, we are healed. The iniquity of the sin of the, sin of the world was laid on him. And like a lamb, he was led to the slaughter. That whoever is without, whoever is, is with sin might be without sin because he who was without sin became sin for us. We are witnesses to this great unending, faithful, eternal love of God that while we were yet sinners in our darkest moment, that he still died for us, that he proved his love for us and that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We are witnesses to the reality of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That when he was on the cross, he cried out in a loud voice. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He gave up his spirit. When he died, the veil, the temple curtain was torn in two. The Holy of Holies was opened up that we might walk into relationship with God that all that's broken in this world would be restored through his life, death, and resurrection. We are witnesses to the fact that Friday wasn't the end, but on the third day, he rose from the grave. He conquered death and sin. He defeated Satan. The earth shook. And what couldn't hold him down? He broke loose victoriously, conquering death, he became the firstborn from the dead. We are witnesses that after he suffered, after he died, after he was raised to life, Jesus actually came back to reveal himself to 500 that we might not be with any doubt about the reality of the resurrection. That he gave all of these proofs that they might declare to us and we stand in that line today as people who have witnessed his resurrection, who have witnessed his ascension into heaven and witness the promise that one day he will come back and he will make all things right again. This is what we place our hope in. We are witnesses that the Holy Spirit is with us, that he is the fire that is alive in us and through us, the church, he still does these things. So do not be convinced by the circumstances that you are surrounded with. There is a God who is greater there is a God who loves you and a God who has called you out. And friends, this is a year for us to be witnesses, for the fire of God to burn within us in such a way that there's nothing we can do but share. You know, that summer when I was at camp and I came back, that was like, there was, it was like shark, there was like blood in the water. I was like a shark. Anybody, I couldn't help it. Like I was gonna tell people what God had done. And I pray that, that that same kind of passion would burn in us, that we would remember what God has done that we would declare it. That's why we sing these songs. So lift your eyes to God when you sing. Sing it out, declare it, because maybe you need to remember it. Maybe just by singing it, you declare again how good God is and you bear witness to him. His spirit will live in you that each day, Monday through Saturday, Monday through Sunday, when you go from this place, you will be witnesses as well. The only way to respond right now is to praise God.
are so grateful that you joined us today and invite you to visit us online at foundrychurch.org for more information on how you can worship, serve, and get connected with us.